June 12 is Record Store Day, and this year a defining moment in Atlanta's punk rock history took place in the city's Little Five Points neighborhood. The past, present, and future of Atlanta's punk rock scene gathered in the parking lot behind the Star Bar to hear Neon Christ, Gigi King, and Upchuck play to celebrate the release of Neon Christ's 1984 album. The show created what local music writer Chad Radford called a punk rock catharsis after four years of intense socio-political tumult brought to a head by the pandemic. This episode of Atlanta Intersections is part two of a three-part series that dives into the Rose Library's Atlanta Punk Collections by talking to the bands who played that record store day show and others who helped shape the city's punk scene. Today, Chad Radford and I talked to the band Upchuck, who have been called one of the most talked about bands in the Atlanta scene. In just a couple of years, Upchuck has released a raucous, energetic, and biting EP and a brand new seven-inch single aimed at shaking up the minds and bodies of those seeking a release. Let's get started. I am the vocalist of Upchuck. I'm Hoff. I'm one of the guitar players in Upchuck. Mikey, guitar. And then our usual Atlanta music guest co-host, music journalist Chad Radford. Chad, how you doing this evening? Doing very well. Thank you for having me back. All right. Um, one of the things that I'd like to ask folks about this is, what is your punk rock origin story? Everyone has a great story about how they found punk rock and what it meant to them how did y'all discover punk rock um, i think through skateboarding uh, what's the connection between skateboarding and punk because you're not the first person to mention that greg mentioned that um in an earlier interview music and skateboarding just go hand in hand with each other for sure they're both like an art form you know yeah me and uh mikey probably have known each other the longest out of anybody in the band between each other and uh we met skateboarding and then we also ran into each other playing like diy shows my introduction was really feel like popping out to those diy shows mainly being an outlier at first but i guess catching up with hoff mainly hoff actually hoff was kind of one of the first people i met off it for real what was the DIY scene um, that y'all met and y'all were involved in? Yeah, no, it was a long time ago. We were all in high school. Um, I see the bands back then were like, uh, I was in this band called Floaters. And um, there was another band that um, that is the Spores now. And um, they were called the Mumsies. And a band called Seaghost. If you guys remember Seaghost. The scraps, and then a lot of like other bands like Leather Torpedoes, a lot of Forsyth kids. It was like, it was weird. And there was a pretty big punk scene in Forsyth for some reason back in high school. Yeah, we used to do like shop shows at my friend's shop. Yeah, it was really fun. It really taught me a lot, like how to like write songs to like the crowd. So when you say shop shows, what kind of shop was it? Was it like a? Was it, it was a, a poultry shop? 
So like yeah. a warehouse kind of situation. Yeah, it definitely. It had to get cleared out mm-hmm. for shows to happen there. And uh, there was another venue that was like under the guise of being like a Christian rock venue, but not really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and so, I mean, that's really interesting. So it, how the geography of shows and DIY shows changes over time. So this, you know, when I was involved in the scene, there was one scene and it was in downtown Atlanta. But now it sounds like there's many different kinds of DIY scenes in Atlanta or punk scenes in Atlanta. And you said they clashed in the way. Is that based on geography or is that based on style of music? I think um, it was just based on people being able to find shows like people down south, uh, you know, uh, in like Peachtree City and people in uh, like up in Forsyth County or people you know, all around in between there. Like if you could get a show in the city at like, maybe like venues that aren't even around anymore, like like murmur mammal gallery, type stuff like that. Or if you could go up to like Forsyth County and do like a DIY shop show, like wherever you could kind of get on. The venues back then were like, uh, it was like wonder root. And then there was like, what is it? Wonder root. And then rowdy dowdy was a good one. I was like, oh, oh yeah, no, it was rowdy dowdy. Yeah, really fun. And then a lot of house shows. I was talking about this the other day with my friend Joel. You know, there's not as many like house shows anymore. And like we used to do a lot of those. Like um, my friends that are in this band, Psychic Death, they used to be in a band called Rude Dude and the Creek Freaks. And um, that house used to have so many house shows. It's on Boulder House. Yeah, it's on Boulder Crest. It got passed down like a couple of times. (laughs) It was like three different friend groups moved in right back after each other, and it was really fun. Uh, My friend like jumped through the window on New Year's. It was like (laughs) I painted a wall inside that house, and then uh, it got. It's like it's like way priced out for anybody to live there now. Oh yeah, that's insane. Like three thousand dollars a month now, and it's like. Yeah, it's crazy. I have friends paying less than two hundred dollars a month for a room up there. Well, and so it sounds like y'all were playing. Y'all been playing in for a while. Like before you found Upchucks, y'all were. How how did y'all pick up? How did y'all pick up musical instruments? How did y'all start playing? I just I started playing. Like I just taught myself drums and then taught myself guitar, and then joined Floaters and then was in like a shit ton of other kind of crappy punk bands. It took me a year to make Upchuck, so like it took me a whole year to like kind of scout out members that I really wanted to be in the band because I was so tired of fucking making bands really fast and then not like you know people quitting or they're not about it, and you know it took me a long time to like find everybody, but it, yeah, it worked out pretty good. I think well, I I was friends with Hoff playing shows back in the day, and then I worked with our drummer Chris. I went to high school with Armando, and then Armando worked with KT, so it just all worked out. And I also knew Hop. Yeah, we were just hanging out in Atlanta. Like, we both going to school and stuff. 
that it all came together full and circle in I, some way. I kind of started in Georgia. I'm not from Georgia. I used to play when I was 10. I picked up the guitar. I had just like a crappy Epiphone special two Les Paul special two. It's kind of like the best bare bones guitar you can give a kid. I think so. You know, I had one of those and I just played it for a long time and I started joining like little bands. We played in basements or garages in Illinois. And then when I moved to Georgia when I was 15, I picked up with this weird, this metalcore band needed like a fill in. So I like played a few shows with them. And I, after the second, it was two shows, played two shows with them. And after that second show, I, I quit the band the next day and I started forming, um, a band with my buddy Gage and Ty and everybody. And then it kind of turned into the, the scene that me and Mikey were playing in when we were like 15. Oh, when I was making Ocheck, Hoff came and jammed. He was like, I'm never joining another band again. <laughs> like, I'll never be in another band. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm the one kind of, I'm definitely an outlier for sure. I was like classically trained. I was like in orchestra, like, on some weird things and then realize that is not it. <laughs> Definitely not it. But <laughs> Katie, you have some other projects that you that you're pretty active with though, is that correct? Uh relatively, yeah. Like with um Sanguine for mm. sure. And like every now and then I'll like run a DJ set. But definitely Upchuck is the like main thing. You know, my first exposure to Upchuck was when I saw you guys play over at the bakery, and um, there was there was there was chaotic energy, and 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 then through Randy, we got you guys to play at my birthday party at the Drunken Unicorn, um, which was a, a pretty wild environment <laughs> that night. Um, but you know, based on those experiences, I was I was trying to come up with kind of whatever. What's the context for this band? I mean, clearly there's a lot of influences coming in there, but it was it was loud, fast, was, um, yeah. very uh, direct, and and so the word hardcore comes up a lot. But I don't think that that's appropriate for Upchuck. I think. <laughs> <laughs> why, why do you hate it? I think that's an interesting thing to talk about with you guys. I don't think we hate it. It's a strong-ass word right there. I think but, I think that none of us are, like, hardcore kids or have, you know, had that sort of uh, – none of us have adopted that ourselves. We just kind of play music that we like to play. Like, me and Mikey both, like, kind of blues, blues guitar, like, Black Sabbath, like, heavy kind of – guitar sounds that are loud and mid-rangey and yeah you know. i think it comes off as hardcore just because like the uh fast and then like the slow breakdowns and like the how like the audience reacts but yeah we're definitely kind of all over the place when it comes to like sometimes i'll just go through like a lot of phases when i'm writing the songs like what i'm listening to you know maybe it's like more like be listening to like a lot of wire like pink flag and then i'll go like you know write some songs like that or i'll be listening to like some heavier sludgy like stuff like weed eater or something and then you know like maybe form the two together in like a song or something or like you know mm. my influences come from like a lot of different like reggae or like you know a lot of different stuff and then kt 
like when she starts singing, it just makes the whole song sound like, you know, completely different, which is sick. You know, right? Like, like what does hardcore mean? Like that 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 definition has changed from when Randy was uh, in his twenties, and it was certainly different when I was in my twenties, and uh, yeah. and and I think it means something different now. But um, what is what do you, what do you think of when when that word gets thrown yeah. out? And I think even that question is like uh, up to someone who is avidly hardcore because they know the true definition to this day, <laughs> the modern de- day definition of hardcore. Yeah, right. where I feel like we're at like a I don't know what you what you about to say, Mikey. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, hardcore is cool, but I, I just like, I don't know. It's kind of jabroni sometimes, <laughs> you know, and like. Yeah. Arms swinging. You don't want to punch. We don't want anybody to get hit, not like knocked. Yeah, too. like so you're not gonna guys. find a kid doing a windmill or like uh, stuff <laughs> like that in an upchuck pit. And it's like if it's going on, it's not gonna last for that long. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We want the mosh to be kind of just like push and shove and have fun. We want to be like you know tinier people to be able to get in instead of like jabronis smacking each other in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an all time. Everyone, welcome to do what you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah at the same time, do whatever you want. Yeah. Like. yeah. I mean, it's a legitimate. It's a legitimate issue. I think, kind of everything that we're talking about comes from this place of creativity, and and like the pursuit of pushing that forward. But when you start talking about things like punk rock or hardcore or even metal, it's almost like there's these rules, perceived rules that yeah. people put in place. Um, but really, you know, kind of what even attracted someone like me to music in the first place was was this kind of space where you could do something that was not following any rules. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not inhibited almost. Right. You're free to do what you need to do. You know, Chad asks, like, what does hardcore mean? But I th- I'm interested in what punk rock means to you, because punk rock, as Chad was mentioning, is more about creativity and kind of this, D- obviously, the DIY culture here in town was important um, to y'all. So if hardcore doesn't fit, and I don't think it does, um, does punk rock fit? I guess a little bit more. I don't know. We're kind of just like, whatever, when it comes to... Uh labeling ourselves you know but it's like i mean i, I think really punk rock like you know hip-hop's punk rock it, yeah it is it's like punk rock is such like a broad like it just could be all over the board you know it could be anything recently i read something that somebody wrote i think it was it was a revolver article <laughs> for their seven inch release in that it it didn't necessarily put us like, oh, this is the new whatever, whatever band. It was like, if you could probably find somebody buying this record wearing a Discharge shirt and a Candle Mash shirt in the same week. That's what I heard. And I was like, okay, that wow. makes sense. I think that was the same article where that y'all chose a playlist. I just wanted to mention the first song on the playlist was X Lion Tamer by Wire. So, and you mentioned wire. So, what is what is it about wire, right? This since for four decades, what what is the 
the um, concentrated greatness of Wire that still inspires people so many years later. It's just so good. Like, the fucking... The album just flows so good. It's just like some of the tracks are just like easy and smooth and the other ones are more like upbeat and just, I don't know. It's just the riffs are amazing. The guitar tones are amazing. That's what I really love. I love like the guitar riffs a lot. And uh, just the simple like closed hi-hat like beats, just like really simple post-punky like, yeah, I know Wire's one of my favorite bands for sure like influenced me a lot that that album was just amazing I say wire was the last thing i saw before the pandemic shut everything down yeah i wanted uh, i couldn't make that again. y'all got a new 7 inch out right that just came out um yeah when did y'all record that? We've had an album ready for like almost three years. And that was just two of the songs that we've just had on the album. And uh, we've just been trying to, you know, shop around and find like good deals. We got a few labels that hit us up. But we weren't, you know, it wasn't a bad contract, but we just didn't want, didn't like a couple things about it. And um, we found, well, Cyrus hit us up that runs Famous Class, and um, he's just, like, really easy to work with, and uh, he's a good dude. We just trusted him, and uh, he put out two songs that we recorded, like, three years ago, and we're, we're working on putting out the album now, but that's going to, you know, next year. But, uh, yeah, he's been really kind of letting – uh, take the reins as far as like how everything looks and like the whole package deal with everything you know we got to d- pick the cover we got to pick our friend marlon who took the photo and i made sure all the photos in there were his photos and i edited everything and put the placements for the designs and then we just threw his logo on the back of it and uh we got to pick our own we have our own splatter version of the seven inch that you can only buy from upchuck and then there's the red that you can only get at independent record stores and then he had a special one for his website which i think is gone now so the seven inch has a slightly different recording from what came out earlier is that correct yeah the Mm -hmm. demos so i recorded in my bedroom with like two microphones oh and my homie Lorenzo recorded it and it was just like really like something to put out because we kept getting all these show offers and like we didn't have any music out or anything so we're like okay we just put something out and then uh we went to Pat's house and re-recorded like everything Pat's our homie that has a studio down in Petrie City that so I think that's where it's like not even like three years ago. I think it's like a, a two year and a ago, half, maybe a year and a half. Two and a, it, I think it's what two and a half. It? I'm like, oh, where are we? Yeah, we we went we played we played like yeah, Afropunk yeah. like a little over two years ago, and we recorded all we tracked all of it, um, like a few months before that. So it was about two and a half years ago, and then me and Mikey did overdubs. 
on some parts because we had two guitars. We made like this wall. Do you enjoy recording in the studio? Because some folks, right, love playing live and being in the studio is kind of a chore. Do y'all enjoy that that part of it? Depends on the song. (laughs) (laughs) It it depends. It depends on who lets him touch the. Touch some of the knobs, where if we have some, a line running out oh and back God. in that the engineer doesn't know about, and we got the little demon on the knobs. Yeah, I like. Yeah, Pat and I, Pat, the one that recorded this. I'm always like, I often look like, super dirty and like, yeah, delayed out. But then he'll come in and be like, I can't understand what she's saying, and I'm like, I know. So it's like a good balance between like. Trying to make it clear, but also trying to fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, I think that was Heike the funniest. Actually, it was pretty fun. Uh, it got to a yeah. point where I was like, this is comic relief. Heike <laughs> and like Hoff and Daniel. I did. Daniel for sure. Like just dealing with Pat um, and just everyone being like, wait, nah, but like this is, this is what I want it to sound like. This is what I want it to sound like. And like no 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 like this is this is what it's supposed Calm to sound down, Mikey. like. We're gonna make it sound all right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we can't hear KT. We need to hear KT. But I think I don't know because even like playing live, there are people. It's actually crazy. Even at the Athens show last night, there was two people up front that kept being like, "We can't hear you. We can't hear you." <laughs> Yeah. Put up the vocals and I'm like, Step I, back feel so you like can hear the monitors. I feel like yeah. I'm heard. <laughs> you're also right next to me, so that's probably why you can't hear me. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It, it's just very funny. It was, I don't know. I'm not complaining about recording in the studio. It wasn't I, bad. I had fun recently. We yeah. had to make, uh, we got hit up to have a it's clean chill. version so that we could have it on uh, Henry Rollins' radio right. show out in. Uh, LA so we couldn't get KT to come do the overdubs so I did the overdubs and I was like ayo hey and all that and then uh what ended up happening is it did not sound good so we found a plug-in where we could take the vocals out and that ended up working it was a really simple fix but it took us about eight hours to figure out (laughs) how did uh Henry Rollins find out about you guys um, oh, sorry, sit down. Yeah. Oh, wow. Shout out, Cyrus. Through a recommendation. Shout out, Cyrus. Cyrus and Randy always looking out for sure. Yeah. Right. Randy always looking yeah. out. Was, was there like a noticeable like uptick in people clicking on your on your stuff after Rollins played the song? Um, I don't, I haven't, I never stats at all we don't yeah we're not so that either i think also because it's so like recent and within i feel like the way like that stuff works is like it's a monthly update so like Uh, we didn't even get the yeah we don't yet so i feel like we wouldn't even know (laughs) until january we don't really refresh the analytics all the time and like honestly it's like way better to sell a record than get somebody to go listen to your song on Spotify because if you can get a record off, you know, then you're yeah, actually getting paid. I was, really, I was really happy about how the records were doing because it was like the records were out for like two or three weeks 
and I didn't even have one yet. And I kept trying to go buy one somewhere, and I just couldn't find one. I was like, <laughs> out. literally, we're selling out. I feel like I'm one of went, the last people to get one. When I was when we played the show Jeez. in Athens last night, I went to the record store to see if they had one because I wanted. To, I keep an archive, so I wanted to have a receipt with the record from Luxury. And I was like, "Do you guys have any more?" And he was like, "No, we sold out of all of them. It was all the skater kids came and bought them." Oh, yeah, so, I went nice. there today too to try to get one. Actually, <laughs> I just bought a I bought yeah. a bootleg death T-shirt instead because we didn't have anything. What is your um, philosophy when it comes to social media? Mm-hmm. We're kind of dead social media for a while. I didn't want to make an Instagram. It was. I got outdated on the Instagram. I it's literally impossible. Like, I feel like we started off heavy, and I feel like still to this day, we still are heavy on word of mouth. Mm-hmm. But I guess to, we have got, I feel like, to a point to where it's like, if people don't see it on like a story, they're like, oh, dang, I didn't even know. Like, I work at a bar and people come up and be like, oh, I didn't even know you had a show yesterday. Yeah, I didn't see it on your Instagram. And I'm like, oh, dang. So it's really just getting, we were throwing. We I have mean, to tap in. You were, we definitely have to tap we, in. We played our first show before any For of sure. us were 21, uh, and it was 21 plus, and it was pretty packed oh, out. And then our second show was that show that you were at, Chad, because we only ever played the bakery one time. And you were there, so that was our second show, and we didn't have no Instagram for that. That was all. We didn't all even eight. have Instagram when we played Afro Park. I don't think. We didn't. Nope. Because that was also another spot where they were like, they're like, they literally were roasting us. I feel. Like, how do y'all even do anything without an Instagram? I don't even. Yeah. Here. What are you doing here without an Instagram? <laughs> Instagram and Facebook both have become such pervasive parts of, of, of life. I mean, they, they killed the newspaper industry uh, by and large. I was always intrigued by that part of Upchuck. Like there was no social media presence. And I think in a, in a way that helped create a mystique about the band, um, which and not to, not to keep coming back to the, uh, the, tired, the tired catchphrases, but that's punk as fuck. You know, to become like a, a, a successful band outside of social media in in this era is is an impressive feat, and it's I think it's kind of a, a necessary thing for good music to survive. I mean, the 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 trend that I have kind of seen come and go as a music writer, as a music lover is that the worst music on the planet always gets the biggest push from the machine. Um, and, uh, and you know, that was what attracted me to Sonic Youth, The Misfits, Fugazi, uh, even even hip-hop in the early days. Like, when I heard The Diggable Planets, I was like, this is not the what I, what I hear on, like, MTV raps or, or something like that. Man, we all live in Atlanta. It's like we know some industry plant kind of kids. It happens. You see them and you're like, him? Oh, I know exactly who you got, Wait, you got, you got 100,000 followers on Instagram, but you got nobody at your show? Yo, I feel like also you know? the thing is like people – I've also had people recently, like very recently, been like, hey – 
y'all aren't popping because y'all could be so much more lit if you just tap into TikTok. <laughs> tap into TikTok and y'all gonna be lit. But also, mind you, we have TikToks. Like, people are making TikToks at our shows and, like, oh, we're not getting the tag. Oh but, like, people are still oh, popping out to our shows off of someone that told them of when they went to that Upchuck show and they went and they had that time and I don't know, like, we need it, I feel like, now, kind of. I'm not going to deny song. it, though. I'm not going to deny it of, like, social media. Just because there's a cute girl in a bear. I feel like even Google's that's like, yeah. that shit also gave us, that's like, that the best way to awesome. utilize your social okay. platform is <laughs> that just because there's a cute girl and a cute man doesn't make it a good fan. That was the most beautiful way for us to even, like, skyrocket and just first off start off on social media that yeah. was perfect timing for us just now tapping into social media that was like around the time we got our instagram exactly too. that's because what made we, it so we funny. got the instagram that's i think it was either it so right funny. before the ep release we did or right after yeah. and we kept reposting that little clip there we threw it in that oh, album 88 geez. thing and the samples a little yes. bit Y'all been around for a while, right? Um, most punk bands, right? They come, they bloom, they die. They move on to other stuff. I would say that two or three years is actually a long time um, for the band to be together. So what what has kept what has kept this interesting and kept y'all engaged and kept it going? Hey, since we're all just friends and like, yeah, honestly, we're not like a lot of. I hate. I'm sorry to interrupt. I feel like I'm about to sound so cheesy, like, but we're a family. But we oh, really God. are. At this point, I feel like we've beefed enough. We have literally, I don't know, we know each other enough to be like, mm, no, but I still love you at the end of the day. There has been no lineup change. I'm going to still love you at the end of the day. I think a thing is, too, is like a lot of the people that just do that, like, move on to different bands every year. It's because, like, they're in a scene with each other, like, I think the hardcore scene, especially where they're like, there will be like one member to play in three bands in a night, you know, like he'll play like every single set or like, it's basically just like different members of different bands that are just like recycled. And we're not like in like a scene like that to where we're just like making new bands, like recycling members. And, you know, it's just like, we're kind of just like, our own yeah. like we'll go we'll, we'll do an upchuck show but like we'll go do kirkwood ballers and we'll do it with our friends and we'll have fun but it's not like oh look this is our new band it's just like this is for fun and like you know you take stuff from that and you know re- let it come back into the community community kind of like the it's about time performance we had for the um the seven inch release show like that was kind of an oddball thing for us to do but that people were <laughs> loving it and we were having a really good time so what's the songwriting dynamic like with you guys? Is there like are there are there Hoff songs? Are there Mikey songs? We haven't written songs. <laughs> we have we've been writing new songs as we've been playing them. We we've been joking around. People keep saying upchuck, 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 and like Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath. So we've been playing the Black Sabbath 
Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath intro a little bit when we've been stepping on stage recently yeah. for just to, yeah. you know, poke, poke some fun. But, like, I don't know, like, this, the first EP we put out, me and Mikey wrote that under, we, like, we were going down to Peachtree City doing demos, taking the demos, and then, like, Mikey re-recorded a bunch of that stuff after we picked out what songs we wanted to use or, like, We'll be sitting there messing around and see if something will come out of it, like uh, that Crossfire song we just threw together, like in a day. And we have a lot of you know demo versions of stuff that are out there. We might even write another song, like uh, that might sound like a Motorhead rip, and Mike might sing on it. You know, something like that. We we like that fun. We like to make music. But you guys will bring parts. You'll bring song parts to each other. Like KT will bring her own contributions to it, something like yeah. that. Yeah. It's either like I'll write a riff or maybe Hoff writes a riff, and then we go and record it at our friend's house, and then KT records vocals. And uh, it's really, it's like super simple. Or Chris, Chris has been doing a lot of songs in Spanish lately. Yeah, yeah that's what I was going to bring up next was, first time I remember it was at the Star Bar show uh, when he took the mic and started uh rapping and singing in Spanish. I was like, all right, now we're, now we're getting somewhere. This is awesome. Um, it's, I think the first time <laughs> it has ever performed was on the Adult Swim Blood Feast session. That okay. was the first time we actually tried it out. I think that wasn't in a practice. And then we started playing shows with that afterwards. So that's been sprinkled in for a bit, but yeah. it's a great addition. And then Mikey's been singing on a few songs too which has been really fun. And we've been playing That's old songs fun. that yeah. aren't Upchuck songs, too. Where else can people find the new record? Um, Criminal sold out, but they got some more in. Wuckstry oh. said they're going to order a few more after we were there the other, yesterday. And then uh, uh, Disorder Vinyl, which is like a new they record sold out. sold out. So I th- they might order a couple more. Or, but Criminal... Ordered some more as well, but yeah, Criminal and Strat. Strat has though. You go to Strat. I think yeah. they might have like a few left. I don't know how many, but and folks can find y'all on Bandcamp, Spotify, yeah. Apple, whatever. All streaming services. We sold out. Spotify. We, don't, we don't make it hard to find us anymore. You find us on Instagram now, or it's not anymore. <laughs> Yeah, you have to go on uh, one of those torrenting sites and download like Katy Perry songs to get the Upchuck song. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's how the demos are now, I guess. (laughs) So let me ask you about the archival impulse. A lot of bands don't take the time to think about saving these ephemeral items as you create flyers and all that for the show. Um, have you been collecting it from the beginning and, ha- and what made you start, what made you th- like think that way of like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to hang on to this. I started a press kit. Uh, we were shopping the album with a few labels. So basically I was just like, okay, here's a file of, Live photos, band photos, LP, demos, videos, you know, just like everything to just make it really easy for a label to be like, oh, what's the lyrics? There's a file for that, you know, just like have also, everything. Also, with um, like Hoff, 
Yeah, I have a like I have a physical like literally yeah. making I, a I, lot of shit physically and I know Hoff has it's important to have a digital digital archive of things and a properly digitally archive things so that you have a solid example, which we do because you know you gotta pass files back and forth if you're making a t shirt, if you're making this or that. But to have the hard copy of something, I do a lot of the art so i have a lot of the originals of the art of all the logo drawings of all any kind of graphics we've used or anything like that um i i'm a printmaker so uh, you know like acid etching lithography screen printing uh stuff like that so like that's that's where the uh ep release cover came from the ep cover that we have was done with uh dremel 290 and uh a zinc plate and then yeah i did yep. the, the insert for the the uh seven inch and then i edited the photos on the other side and i made sure that pat and daniel our engineers were in there as well but um basically yeah i have all hard copies of the upchuck stuff in a flat file that i keep of my own work and as well as the upchuck stuff so that's really interesting. Is that part of your art practice that has moved into your music, your musical practice, or were the two did art and music? Were you doing that kind of at the same time? Yeah, I mean, they they kind of come together like skateboarding comes into that. It 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 creates some sort of community that like serves back into each other. And like, um, I don't know, like a good example of somebody in town who like is inspiring in the way that he does it is like Henry Owings of Chunklet Industries. Like he just put out that book where it has, it's an archive of all those Athens. It's like cherry picked, but it's like all the Athens flyers and he's doing an Atlanta one too. Like it's like, he wouldn't be able to do that without other people having that stuff. So it's important to keep that kind of stuff around and have at least a digital document of it too, in case anything ever happens to it. Love bands that think about archives, right? That's one. That's wonderful. Well, it's also so. It's like the antithesis of modern thinking. Like there's just such a such a push for uh, digital everything now. Like music. Like like most people don't buy records. Like it, we're definitely in the minority buying like physical copies of records. Everybody's happy with Spotify and things like that, which which is an alien concept. To me, having grown up in the late 80s and, and 90s buying records, it's like if you don't have the vinyl, you don't have the music. I think there's also well, like, a, like an even greater desire now because you have people who understand that, yeah, they have access to Spotify, they have access to all these other things, but it's mm-hmm. almost like there's a some stuff you can't get too. Have it. Sure. Like there is. Forever. There is people <laughs> who are making, like, there's records that are not on digital there's so many records that are not on digital that you will never find on digital because nobody owns that stuff but also like even like famous class when we were putting out these records with famous class there's records that you can get from famous class that are a side one band b side the other band it's a series he does and you can't find them on streaming you have to buy the record that stuff's out there like that so yeah and expect a new album next year hopefully by summer hopefully (laughs) <laughs> everything you heard it here first we're gonna hold you to it it's gonna be a yeah. summer <laughs> well thanks y'all this has been great i uh, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and to talk to us about up chuck about atlanta and about the diy so 
Thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you. Atlanta Intersections is produced by Randy Dew and Nick Twomler. Jacob Chisenhall is our editor and the legendary Band With No Name featuring Jimmy Deemer and James Joyce created and performed our theme music. We're grateful for the support of our colleagues in the Rose Library, especially Lolita Rowe, Community Outreach Archivist, and Jennifer Gunther King, Director of the Rose Library. Special thanks to the Tots Till Death crew, Henry Aaron, General Ulysses S. Grant, Lee Scratch Perry, The Supremes, Joe Strummer, and Crass for inspiration. Please join us next month for a new episode of Atlanta Intersections. For more information about the Rose Library and our other podcast series, please visit us on the web at rose.library.emory.edu and follow the Rose Library on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find the Rose Library's podcasts on all your favorite podcast feeds.